handoff to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Hughes hole. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Pater. And a one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Just quick disclaimer before anyone says anything. Yes, this is kind of my new setup. This is how it's going to look for the draft tomorrow when we live stream. So make sure you guys check that out. I know you guys are going to be asking a lot of questions about that. But uh, this one here, guys, we're just going to be doing one of our final Colts mock drafts before going into the draft Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We got a very special guest. We have the host of the Inside the Gridiron podcast, Jack Borowski. Jack, how you doing, man? I'm good. Excited to come on to talk about the Colts in the in the draft in general because I mean we're we're closing in on that 24 hour mark until the drafts. I feel like every mm-hmm. year to say it's like Christmas for football fans. It's like yes. the most talked about event in sports uh, for, for a year long. I mean, 2022 mock drafts are coming out soon. So this is, this is how it works, but I'm looking forward to tomorrow. It should be exciting as a whole. Oh yeah, absolutely. So before we get into this mock draft here that I have, um, what, what, what's something that you're expecting for tomorrow? Do you have a hot take? Do you have something that you expect that's going to freak some people out? What do you think? Yeah, I think as a whole, based off of the mock drafts and granted, I've only been in this industry for a few years now because uh, I'm, I'm one of the younger guys. But looking at these mock drafts that Kuiper, McShay, some of these top guys have, and I'm looking at the back half of the first round, 17 through 32, and I think there's going to be a lot more surprises than people think. I see the top 16 similar to last year, chalk. I, I don't see too many trades. I think – Three is the interesting one. If they go Mac Jones, it'll be what we expect. Trey Lance, I think, what they should potentially do. But I see it, it, it being uh, not as interesting. I see 17 through 32. I think we're going to see some surprise names. I could see a small school uh, FCS offensive tackle, whether it be Spencer Brown or Dylan Radunes, go in the first. I think we may see one or two guys. I mean, we know Ballard loves those senior bowl guys. I think we could see someone like a Richie Grant or Creed Humphrey sneak in there. So I, I, I think hot take wise, if we're going three, I think they take Mac Jones, and uh, th- that's okay. that's the one. I think I think they're sticking with Mac Jones uh, if we're just going hot take. But then seventeen through thirty two, I, I think there's going to be a lot more surprises. Which if the Colts trade out of the first, could give them some really talented value uh, picks uh, early in the second. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an Ohio State diehard, so hearing you say Mac Jones over Justin Fields, it kind of triggers me a little bit, just a little bit. I think it's it's a shame that the Jets are just overlooking Justin Fields as well, and what we assume is Zach Wilson going to be there. So it's whatever. We'll we'll see how that goes, but I mean, we saw Chris Sims and his mock draft saying how Justin Fields is going to fall to 32, like. I don't know how, I don't know why he would think that, but I don't know. Maybe you have a differing opinion on it than I do, but I think that that is absolutely ridiculous. 
Yeah, I think with Sims, he's trying to, and I'm not going to fault him for it because we're talking about it right now. He's trying to get a reaction, the Skip Bayless style. I, I think we don't really have that in the NFL draft media right now, and he's trying mm -hmm. to be that guy. He's been right in the past. I think Fields, obviously, you look at the past few draft classes, there's an argument to be made that he would be a top five pick in most of them. I mean, even this year, we're not sure that he won't be a top five pick. It seems like it may end up being a, a trade-in. But, uh, yeah, I think 32, obviously, he's trying to get a reaction for people. I'd be yeah. shocked. I mean, I think the Patriots at some point, Red, uh, football team, Chicago Bears, I, he's sitting there 8, 9, 10, 11. 12. Like, how are you going to pass up on a, a swinging for the fences with a quarterback when we've seen players like Daniel Jones go sixth overall and, and yeah. Josh Allen from Wyoming, we know it ended up being the right pick, but – the guy in his biggest game of the year in college against Oregon threw for 43 yards. So, like, you have guy quarterbacks. I mean, even Trey Lance this year, a one-year starter at an FCS school. Like, the quarterbacks, I mean, you got you got to throw your hat in the ring there. And I think these teams that need them, even Pittsburgh, I mean, we're, we're just rallying off teams that in the back half of the first round that need a guy that looks like someone who could be a potential first overall pick in most other classes yeah. available. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's get into this mock here that I made. Uh, so I, I was talking to you right before uh, we got on air here and said that uh, I thought that the Colts would most likely trade back. I don't necessarily – unless there's a specific person at 21 that you just cannot pass up on, like if there's a Christian Darisol that's still there at left tackle or – Somehow, some way, if one of the top corners like certain or JC Horn falls, which I don't believe that they will, is still there at 21, then I don't think that Ballard will stay at 21 because Ballard really likes his picks. He's been known to say that a lot. He really likes his picks. And he only has six so far this year. And he's that's the lowest amount of draft picks he's ever had to deal with in any draft class. So he likes to get quantity so he can try to get quality. So that's what I kind of have him doing a little bit here in this draft. I did a simulation where he trades back to pick number 36 with the Miami Dolphins. So moves back 15 spots, but also acquires pick number 50 from them. And knowing Miami, they got a million picks that they have. So they can afford to move up, give away a pick and maybe try to get somebody that they feel and add another first round pick that they're already getting. And at number 36, I have the Colts selecting Alex Leatherwood tackle out of Alabama. Leatherwood's name's been thrown around quite a bit. And anyone that's seen my channel knows that uh, I had Leatherwood in my first mock draft, 6'5", 310 pounds. I mean, this guy can move anyone. He's got a really good base about him and performed pretty well at the senior bowl as well. What's your opinion on a guy like Alex Leatherwood here? Yeah, the Colts are in an interesting situation because, like you touched on, Darisaw, 21. I don't think that's happening. I know right. Ballard doesn't really trade up, but he may be the guy to do it. Uh, like, he may be they, – they they don't – this Colts, when, when I look at their roster as a whole, they don't have, like, these elite playmakers on offense. And just because you're an offensive lineman doesn't mean you can't be an elite playmaker. Like, Quinton Nelson's there essentially playmaker on offense. He's their guy. Yeah. I think trading up to go. I know you, how about this? This is the only year. If I'm Chris Ballard, like I don't maybe want so many picks. There aren't that many good players. It's a, it's a very weak draft class as a whole, not to get Colts fans hopes up. Christian Darius is still a first round tackle, 
So right. I think that would maybe be the option because Leatherwood, do I dislike him? No. Do I think he improved greatly his senior year? Yes. Uh, he projects as a left tackle potentially in the NFL. I like him more as a guard, but when you look at his arm length, played at the senior bowl, big time uh, guy at, at a school where he's going to have a lot of experience coming in, going up against top tier edge rushers week in and week out in the SEC over the course of his career. And the guy st- has started at guard. And he started at left tackle the past two years. And last year, he played essentially the right tackle position in the offense because Tua was a lefty. And then now he basically protected Mac Jones's blind side, and he did a very good job. Uh, yeah, do I love him? No. Do I think he has a high upside? He's at Alabama. He was a five-star recruit. He's played a lot. I don't see this. He's just scratching the surface. But what the Colts need is a starting left tackle. So I think that we, when you look at that selection to move back, acquire more talent in terms of draft picks and, and, and then get a guy who can plug in and play at left tackle, I, I wouldn't be mad with it at all. Right. All right. And then the next pick that I had here at pick number 50, the other one that I acquired from the Dolphins. So the Colts will end up getting three second round picks. And the second one that I have here. And that is Carlos Basham Jr., edge rusher out of Wake Forest. I know the the stats really don't back up a lot of great arguments for Basham. You know, he has a lot of he has a uh he was known as the guy that was kind of like a cleanup edge guy where you know he made a lot of uh sacks from you know, busted up plays or somebody pushed the quarterback into him and he was able to convert it. But I just look at the size of him when he's 6'5", 270 pounds, and can uh, has those really long arms. And I think he's got a good motor on him too. I think that's how he's able to get a lot of these second-chance plays, which I really like from our edge guys, and I know Ballard likes that too. You know, And with this edge class too, unless you're looking at like Quiddy Pay or Jalen Phillips – there's very few guys that really intrigue me as day one starters. I don't necessarily think Basham's going to be a game changer right off the bat. But what do you think about Basham in the mid-second round? No, this is an, an awesome pick. I think the value is good, and I think he fits what Ballard wants. I know we were talking about this before. He, Ballard, they don't take the sexier players usually, like a, a Jalen Phillips who may have all these – off the field concerns in terms of his medicals, but he got, the guy is fun to watch. There's a lot of fun. Carlos Basham is not the most fun guy to watch, but at the end of the season, I think when you look at his career as a whole and you go season by season, you're going to see six and a half sacks, seven and a half sacks, eight sacks, seven and a half. He's, he's not going to be getting 14 to 20 sacks a year. That's not him. But to mm-hmm. get that value in the second round in a weak defensive and end class as a whole what he can do he's a 4-3 rusher he can kick inside on third downs if need be I know the Colts are pretty good on the interior right now but he's Mm -hmm. a guy who's really versatile I think you know who knows what's going to happen defensively at any point he can play 3-4 defensive end as well so I think he's a guy who's a long time player experience uh, I think that's always key He's going to be mature. I think he's going to be able to be a, a, an early down player from the beginning, which I think is huge um, in the second round. So I like that pick. I think it's solid value. I think 
He may go a little bit higher than that, but I could see him going there. And I think that could be a, a, a solid selection where he, he's not the sexiest pick in the world. But when you look at his career as a whole, he gets the job done. Uh, he's athletic enough. He, he fits Ballard, senior bowl guy, long enough arms. I don't know if he exactly met his threshold, but it was close enough. Ballard will make an exception. So I, yeah. I, I really like the pick of Basham and Leatherwood getting two senior bowl guys with a ton of uh, in-game experience so far to come yeah. and contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely right there. All right. And then for the 54th pick, I did another trade this time with the Jets where we picked up pick number 66 and also acquired pick number 86. So, you know, you get another third round pick you basically get two third rounders for this one. So, you know, the Colts lost that third round pick this year with Carson Wentz. So you get another one of those back in addition to that. And then here at number 66, I have the Colts selecting Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami. This one might seem a little high for me at times. I don't know where to gauge Brevin Jordan based off of just like, cause nobody really talks about him. Nobody's really talking about the tight end class at all. Cause there's not really a marquee tight end out there, but Brevin Jordan, I think to me overall is the most complete package. When you look at the tight ends, cause he has the ability to block, which the Colts really need in their tight ends. That's how they built their system. And Jordan, I think to me, over all of these tight ends has the highest upside when it comes to the receiving game. And the Colts did say we want to try to get a playmaking tight end in the room. We currently don't really have one right now. And there's really not one in this draft that makes you say, wow, that guy is going to be a pro. But I think Jordan has the biggest upside to become that. And that's why I have them selecting him early in the third. What do you think about Brevin Jordan here for this? Yeah, Derek, I think you got that one right. And the analysis of Brevin Jordan, what he brings to the table yeah, I think this tight end class sucks. <laughs> Last year's <laughs> class was even worse. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. Next year, if you need a tight end, there's like 20 guys who I already like for 2022. But since Thursday and Friday, we're going to see Kyle Pitts go off the board as early as four. He's a, a generational player. And then afterwards, I think going into the year, we thought Fryermuth and Brevin Jordan were both in that same grouping as Kyle Pitts. Pitts elevated his game. Fryermuth got hurt. He's probably not going to be in the Colts range. I think he's going to go early round two. Brevin Jordan, I think he's a solid receiver. I would have loved, liked to, for him to have been a little more athletic at, at his pro day, but he's a good wideout. He was the number one tight end coming out of high school. He's had a very good career at, at Miami. I think he is um, a complete tight end, as, as you touched on. Good enough blocker. I mean, you're going to get very few great blockers who aren't for first to high second round picks who can also catch the ball. So I gets the job done there. Uh, and I like him as a Y out, as a guy who I think is somewhat being undervalued in, in a weak tight end class, which is funny to think. But I think uh, the value here is solid. Could I see him? I see him going between 65 in, in the end of the compensatory picks in the third round. So I think you're getting a guy who. I, if you want to sell him to Jim Ursay, he was talked about as, who do you like more, Kyle Pitts or Brevin Jordan before the season? Pitts obviously elevated his game, but Jordan right. was in that conversation before the season. It's not like he played poorly. So so I, I like the pick there. 
Yep, absolutely. And I know I'm going to get a lot of flack from you people out there that said you didn't mention Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I understand. Kyle Pitts is on a league all of his own. Like, honestly, shouldn't even be a tight end. He's like a ginormous wide receiver. That's what I think of him as. But either way, okay, so there we go. We had Brevin at 66, and then we picked up pick number 86. And this is where I have the Colts selecting a corner to kind of help with depth at that spot right now. And that would be Paulson Adebo, cornerback out of Stanford. I'm really high on Adebo because, honestly, I feel like he might even go higher. Just depends on how the cornerback class goes early. But Adebo I like because he fits the Ballard mold of a corner over six foot tall, 190 pounds. He's six foot one. And he's a guy that has uh, been very flexible in how you use him in a um in his role of playing coverage this is a guy that's done a little bit of everything you know he's played zone he's played off man he's played uh man-to-man coverage does a lot of this stuff you know he's got good ball skills he's just he doesn't do he's a classic example of like he doesn't do anything amazing but he does practically everything well which is how you kind of want your guys to be and He's mainly an outside corner, which is fine. That's what the Colts need because we already have uh, Kenny Moore as an amazing nickel corner. So we don't need to worry about that, you know, to help with uh, the depth of, you know, the Colts having Rocky Sin, who's had a little bit of an issue recently. But I like Adebo just because you can use him in a lot of different situations. You can use him any way you want to. And he's, again, just the mold of a corner that Ballard really likes. So, what do you think about a Debo? Does he go sooner than this? I, I don't know. It's tough with the cornerback position because last year we had six go in the first, and you could argue that four of them shouldn't have. Um, and then yeah. you had Christian Fulton and Trevon Diggs go round two, and, and, and Jalen Johnson as well. Those three went in the second and were all better than – I mean, Damon Arnett, who knows what's going to happen there. AJ Terrell is solid but definitely doesn't look like he was worthy of the 16th pick. And then you had – Gladney and Igbenogany go in the first, and those were surprise picks. So you have um, – it's interesting what teams value and what they look at. This cornerback class, looking at it, you have Sertain, obviously, and Horn and Greg Newsom, and you go with Campbell and Stokes at Georgia, Farley probably early second after the, the back. And then you look at the rest of the class, and it's kind of a, a, an odd one. Aaron Robinson and Elijah Molden – aren't going to be on the Colts board most likely unless they're looking to move on to safety because Kenny Moore's you already have arguably the best slot cornerback in the NFL. So mm. they take those two guys off the board. Then you got Kelvin Joseph, who's got glaring character concerns. And after that, I think it's a Debo. Uh, we're going back to the Brevin Jordan thing, how he was compared to Kyle Pitts before the season. If you go back to before the – before the Joe Burrow year, before you guys took Jonathan Taylor, it, it was a while ago during early COVID, the 2020 draft. Going into that season, Adebo was thought of as the top cornerback in the entire class. This was a, a group that had Jeff Akuda and CJ Henderson, and it was not. This kid at Stanford is legit. His his tape from 2020, the 2018-2019 season essentially was phenomenal. Then last year, it stunk. Um his hips look terrible. The the Gabriel Davis game was the one that people were like, uh-oh, like this kid can't play. And I, I think it was over-exaggerated. Um, I don't think he was as bad as people thought. I think everyone points to that one game. Guys have bad games. 
uh, all the time. Yeah. And, and then this year opts out. So it's, it's a weird situation, but similar to Walker little, the left tackle um, from Stanford. These are two guys who I think could pay dividends if they can get back to their 2018 tape. Like if they get back to 2018 style pulse in the day, but you're looking at a first round caliber cornerback. He tested very well, which I think people were surprised by. Um, I think he also fits what Ballard wants. So I think, could he go earlier? Yes, it's weird with the cornerback position. It's the same with tackle. Guys just go off the board quicker than people expect and in odd waves because I think people panic. Hey, mm-hmm. here's our tackle, like the Christian Derrissaw situation. I mean, who people are talking about this tackle class could go early. Like, what if Tevin Jenkins goes 17 and all of a sudden the first four are already off the board? Do you mm-hmm. then have to sit there and say, hey, we're taking Alex Leatherwood at 21 because he could be off the board if we trade back. So I think with a cornerback position, I know it's a little bit of a tangent here, but yes, I think that Paulson Adebo could be available there. He could go late second, but I think most likely he's a, a safe third round selection. Gotcha. All right, cool, cool. Uh, and then the Colts have a 41 pick weight where they have to go to, um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's going to end up being round five, I believe, or it's late fourth. And then a uh, pick 127. And this one's a little bit of a wild card pick for me. I think Ballard always does a few of these every now and again, but this is a little bit of my Ohio State bias coming out of me here. And this is Justin Hilliard, linebacker out of Ohio State. There's a lot of people that say, well, you know, there's not a lot on Hilliard because, you know, this was a guy that played five seasons at Ohio State because he had multiple injuries that have kept him out of seasons at really bad times. But, um, you know, the injury concern doesn't really bother me as much um, as guys like Jalen Phillips because, you know, Phillips has the concussion issues. That's an issue with the head, but Hilliard just happens to break things at bad times. But Hilliard, when you look at the game film, I mean, if anything, and you want to know what kind of player Justin Hilliard is, go watch the Ohio State versus Clemson game. I mean, that guy had was flying everywhere around the field that game making tackles everywhere and you know performed really well in the offseason six foot one 230 pounds I mean this guy's a good size uh he plays the he can play the outside you know be able to uh play in multiple different ways he's good in coverage he's good in uh being able to come down and make the tackle whenever you need him I just think he's just a leader he's hungry he's determined because of having so many years taken away from him in college. So I think Ballard pulls the trigger on a Hilliard here at 127. What do you think about Justin Hilliard here? I, I like Justin Hilliard. I I, I think Derek, you, you touched on it. Um, I, I, the, the medicals are what's concerning in the age. Uh, he I think he came in with Joe Burrow, if I'm not mistaken, at Ohio mm-hmm. State. Yeah. That's funny. I think he was a five-star recruit. Top guy, Jim Nagy talks about him before the season as this guy's got some upside. He 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 starts to get more playing time as the season went on, and he, his tape's really good. He's really good. I I was really disappointed in his testing numbers, though. Um, that's that's the main concern, I think, more than even the injuries was. I think he ran in the four eights. He's a slow a slower guy, but the tape's really good. Um, yeah, do. Would, I mean, I, logically speaking, from an NFL perspective, we'll have to see what te- what boards he's on because of the medical. Sometimes doctors won't clear a guy. That's obviously on a team-to-team basis. Uh, I don't know how it went this year because I, I don't know exactly if every team's doctor got to 
uh, examine players, but that will be a, a big aspect. So I, I, I like the player. I, I think he's probably just based off his tape, top 100, the other factors um, are, are going to drop him. Um, we'll, we'll see how far, far down he ends up going, but I, yeah. I like the talent. I think he could pay dividends. Yeah, I think he'll end up being the third Ohio State linebacker taken in this draft, honestly, behind Baron Browning and uh, Pete Werner. But, okay, so now we'll go to 165 here. We're in the fifth round. This is one where, you know, we saw what the Colts were able to do at the defensive tackle position last year. There really isn't much of a need for, you know, any talent at that spot. But one thing we definitely could use is more depth. I'm never opposed to – Ballard getting another guy at the defensive tackle position to help with giving DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart some time to rest. And this is a guy that I think could potentially go sooner, just depends on the the defensive tackle position in this draft as well is kind of weak. But um, this one here is going to be Bobby Brown, the third defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. I really like his size. I mean, his size just says everything. 6'4", 325 pounds. I mean, this guy is a massive human being and he just moves people. I mean, he's got a good motor about him. I mean, he's not a, he's not a pass rush specialist. He doesn't have anything special about him, but just due to the sheer size of him and what you can uh, use him for both in the run game and in just being able to be a quality depth piece that clogs the middle of the field. I mean, this is a guy that probably will demand a couple double teams because how big he is. I mean, I just think this is a good depth piece for Indianapolis if they want to pick him up because just look at the sheer size of that man. So what do you think, Bobby Brown here at 165? That Yeah, that'd be great value uh, for Brown. Uh, Derek, when I, I look at Brown, he, as he touched on, he's mass, a massive dude. I think um, up here, um, like the mental aspect is just the only maturity, making sure that that he's good to go would be the only concern because the kid can play. He's going to be a guy, as as you touched on, take on double teams, really uh, allow DeForest Buckner eventually. um, We we know they kind of have that position set, but with a rotation, he's going to allow those guys who can get after the quarterback to go do their job and, I think there's some development there too. I think he is one of those players who's just scratching the surface of what he can become. Yeah. And I, I see him and everyone I'm talking to, I don't think he ends up top 100, maybe fourth round, but I think the fifth round, which is surprising in a weak defensive tackle class. Like I prefer him to players like Marvin Wilson and, and a few of those other guys in that fourth round range um, who I just don't think produced that much or didn't play this year. So I think he's a fourth to fifth round player who's going to be a really solid player as long as he is mature enough to play at the next level. So, yeah, I, I would definitely like the pick of Brown. I think that's great value here in the fifth round. Yeah, and then another um, – for the sixth round pick, I have a wide receiver here. But honestly, I wouldn't even be opposed if the Colts wanted to go with a wide receiver more in the fourth or fifth round because there's a couple names – late in this draft that I really like potential wise. And this is another one of them here that I think that has great potential. And honestly, that's why like for all the Colts fans that have been saying, Oh, get wide receiver early. No, I don't think we should do that because there are a lot of wide receivers in this fourth, fifth and sixth round 
that are going to be great potential wise because they got great athletic traits that you can build. A couple names I think of is, you know, Trayvon Grimes is one of them that I've been thinking about a lot of. I mean, he was an Ohio State guy before he moved over to Florida. And I really liked him due to his size and athletic ability. I mean, I think he's got great upside. Then a couple other guys come to mind. But at 206 here, I have Josh Imator Bahibi, wide receiver out of Illinois. I mean, I think everybody's seen the clip of his vertical uh, where he actually like levitates for a split second, like with that 46 inch vertical that he has. I mean, it's incredible the height that this guy gets, you know, playing at Illinois, there's not a lot of tape on him. There's not a lot of opportunities for him to, you know, really show a lot of his talent. But, you know, when you're six foot two and you're 205 pounds and you can run down the field the way he does extend the field I think that's what the Colts really are looking for is another guy that can really extend the field on the outside, another weapon for Carson Wentz to just let go of the ball. And I mean, a guy with a 46 inch vertical that's six foot two is a mismatch for any corner out there on the field. So what do you think of Imator Vahibi here? Does he go sooner because of how athletic he is? First, I, I'm very impressed with the pronunciation of that that last name. Like, <laughs> I've liked this guy from the very beginning. I've had I, to get used to I it. I can tell you, you, you like the guy because that's one you got to say a few times to be able to get it. No, he yes. he's a very interesting player in this year's class because he was held down by quarterback play at Illinois. Yeah. Um, Brandon Peters, uh, Illinois' quarterback, maybe an okay pro prospect. He's not that much of a college quarterback, so uh, I thought that the offense really limited him. I think if he played in like the Big 12 or one of these SEC teams, I can't believe I'm saying this, that really throws the ball a lot nowadays, Pac-12. Um, if, if he was at one of these or transferred back into to a Pac-12 school, um, I, I think that may have helped him. It was odd because that initial combine list that came out, not for the medicals, but the one where they wanted to give recognition to the people who would have been invited, even though they weren't having a combine, he wasn't on it, which I thought was weird with a guy. You'd probably want to see that vert in Indianapolis. Um, so I was uh, surprised by that. I don't know if he goes earlier because um, I just don't know if there's enough interest um, from a talent perspective, but if you're going to take a shot on the guy in the sixth round, do I like him? He's one of those guys who, uh, and you touched on it, Derek, how this wide receiver class, you do not need to go early. There are a lot of good wide receivers in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. I mean, I think there's going to be some UDFAs, even in a weak class. I think there's going to be some UDFAs that hit because I just think it's that good of a receiver class. So I, I think the value here in the sixth round, it's a solid pick. I could see this happening. I could see him going in the fourth. I could see him go undrafted. He's one of these unique players where he's got a huge swing. It takes one team with a guy who has this kind of vert to sell themselves in the fourth round with one of the compensatory fourths. You're like, screw it. Let's take the guy who, I mean, the guy probably dunk on like a 15 foot hoop. Like this, this yeah. guy is a freak. Uh, yeah. And let's just blame in the, his lack of production on the conference and the situation he was in, in Illinois. And I could see other teams being like, well, when you look at the tape, he's not there yet, and maybe he won't get there. But sixth round, I think you're getting a good value here. I, mean, I think he should provide special teams value too, and hopefully he can develop as a wideout. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a guy that has a lot of upside with athletic ability. I mean, you know, I don't dare say he's DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf was in a class of his own, but 
I mean, you know, athletic wise, it definitely says something. But uh, the last pick here for the Colts in the seventh round, pick 248, have them selecting some offensive line depth here. I know Ballard likes to do that a lot in the later rounds. And I have them selecting Drew Dalman, uh, center out of Stanford. Not much I know about the guy. Just kind of looked at a few stats right beforehand. I mean, you know, 6'3", around 300 pounds. So, you know, a little small for, you know, what your typical lineman is. But, you know, I think you can build some strength up. I don't think that's too difficult for the uh, the weight room to help. But, you know, this guy also didn't allow a sack in the last two years at Stanford while he was there. So, you know, I mean, was a very productive guy despite the size and everything else. I know Stanford, you know, is likes to run the ball a lot more. So that kind of makes up for it. But again, just more offensive line depth that'll help out. Um, what do you think of Drew Dalman for the last pick here for offensive line depth? Yeah, if they can uh, take him late, I, I really like him. I, I think he could actually even go earlier. Uh, it's a weak center class. Right now, I would say um, you, you have Creed Humphrey. And I mean, I wouldn't touch Landon Dickerson, but you have Landon Dickerson. You see him mock really high. And then after that, you got Josh Myers, Kendrick Green. And then there's like, all right, who's that fifth guy? So I, I think it's Dahlman. And if you can get a, a player who has um, the athleticism that he has, he, he moves really at well in short areas. Uh, I think he can fit a zone scheme really well in just in general. And, and I think that he's versatile. Uh, his, his tape's really good. So, yeah, I could see – him being a great value here as a potential, obviously, hopefully not future center, but a, a really good sixth offense alignment. All right. So that's going to do it for this one. You know, you, the only pick I think you saw, said that you didn't enjoy was the Leatherwood one at 36. Like outside, let's just assume for a second that Sewell, Slater, Darisol, those guys, the three main guys that everybody talks about, they're all off the board. Who is the left tackle you think the Colts should go with after that? Because, you know, we have debates about Cosme. We have debates about Leatherwood, Eichenberg, Redunce, you know, guys like that. Who's high on your board for you? Yeah, it's not necessarily that I dislike the Leatherwood puck. I just dislike the situation the Colts are currently in where – I mean, you can't play Sam Tevy really. Like you don't want to play him. Yeah, um, of course I, not. No, <laughs> no. Like I, I don't think his tape was as bad as people say. But when you're trying to make the playoffs, it's not. It shouldn't be that the second most important position on your offense. And with a quarterback like Carson Wentz, with his wide stance and the the way he delivers the football, needs to have an elite offensive line to stay up and make good decisions. And he, he I, I'm still skeptical about how like what they gave up and if he's going to transition well to them, but you may, you, you need to put the right guys around him. What I think, do I think Tevin Jenkins could get the job done at left tackle? Well, you look at his athletic profile, 33 and I think four or five eighth inch arms, which in this, this class, it's funny. It's actually pretty long because you look at the top guys outside of Leatherwood, Eichenberg gets mocked to the Colts. He has 32, I think three eighth inch arms. He's not playing left tackle. Cosme, Big, fast, athletic, 33-inch arms. Like, this guy doesn't have – Radunes hit that 34-inch arm mark, but he projects, I think, more as – he's a guard build. Spencer Brown could be a guy, but is he ready to, to take the reins and be the left tackle um, for the Indianapolis Colts who are trying to make the Super Bowl after not playing this past year? I don't know. 
So I think it may be by default Tevin Jenkins, even though I think he's a better right tackle. I think he may be the guy at 21 they have to take because, oh, I think he's a first-round talent all day. I, I think that Leatherwood may not be that same kind of guy, but I understand the draft pick. But I think it, you talk about like the idea of best player available. You're not doing that when you take a guy like Leatherwood. At, um, but that's just my opinion on his film. I, I think there's some people who really enjoy what he was able to do this past season for Alabama. And, and maybe he improved enough that he is worthy because I, I think the second round is a safe floor for him. He's, at worst, a good guard. The Colts just – unfortunately, they don't really need a good guard. Uh, very few teams can say that. But yeah. I, I think that they need a true left tackle. And – this class has a lot of good right tackles, a lot of good guards. It's got three, maybe four if you consider Tevin Jenkins or you don't worry about arm length for some of these other guys. But I think yeah, you're, 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 you're looking at a situation where, like, I think Cosme sucks. Um, I would not touch him. <laughs> okay. Well, we got that one. Yeah, Anyone that's watched really knows that I like Cosme. I like Cosme as a player, but – you know, I, I understand why some people don't really yeah, like the him. technique's not there. He's not coming in starting day one at left tackle for the Colts. It's not going to be pretty. So I, I don't love Leatherwood pick, but he touched on arm length experience, Alabama. Tevin, Tevin Jenkins definitely makes a lot of sense at 21, though, if you do believe that he could be a left tackle because, you know, he's, he's in my opinion, the nastiest offensive lineman yeah. in this draft. And, Imagining a left side of the offensive line with Tevin Jenkins, Quentin Nelson, and Ryan Kelly on that middle to left. I mean, that is a nasty offensive line. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy. You're going to be able to run the ball a lot like Jonathan Taylor. You don't need much vision to run when those holes are going to be gigantic. Yeah. Like it's going to be, they're going to be giant holes that they're going to be making with, with those kind of guys. So I think, I think Jenkins, there's also the chance he's not there. Like uh, we're talking there is a about chance. It. There is, yeah. Right. There's You're a chance. Not like at 18, 19, and 20, there's a couple teams that need a left tackle. And you're right. If Sewell, Slater, and Darisol are all gone in the top 15, yeah, Tevin Jenkins might be the one that they take. Because, so. I mean, we're talking about this now, and we're trying to put on the GM cap, and we're like, Tevin Jenkins at 21 could be good value. He may be the only other guy who could potentially play left tackle. You don't think – the Oakland Raiders who have like one good offensive lineman. Then you got Miami who still needs a right tackle. You got Washington who may need to kick the uh, guy to left tackle. And then you got Chicago who needs a right tackle as well. So we got four teams right there who, who are all picking ahead of the Colts. That's why I love the idea of Chris Ballard trading up to get a Christian there. So <laughs> you're one of the few out. people that actually thinks that's a possibility. You ask anyone else in Colts nation, yeah. they're like, Nah, nah, just straight back. Yeah, there. I don't like the idea of trading back in this year's draft. I just don't think the value is there. I think with the tackle class, there's three guys who can play left tackle. That's the one position the Colts desperately need. You don't wide receiver is great, but like, I think you can have a lot of fourth, fifth round picks address offensive weapons and go with a Darisaw. But uh, obviously, when you look at the number of picks that Ballard has and where he's picking 20. They could also go edge rusher in the first two. That's, that's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, we just know the injury history of a few of those guys and just the lack of experience is concerning. The Colts are in an odd position. Um, uh, uh, Chris Ballard though is smart enough. I think he's going to get you guys out of it. And if yeah. Leatherwood is the guy, I'm not going to be too disappointed. Right. Right. Well, we'll just, we'll just, and like Colts nation says, we'll trust in Ballard. That's just, 
what we got to do. He has given us a lot of great draft classes. We'll just see if he can work his magic again. Well, Jack, thank you so much, man, for coming on and dissecting this mock draft with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Derek. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let me know what you think in the comments. And as always, go Colts. Yeah.